You are entering the Freedom Hut. Mutiny in the House. They have decided, at least some Republicans, to consider impeachment against Rod Rosenstein, the number two at the DOJ. We'll talk about that. Plus, Trump is winning, my friends, on the trade war. And just wait till the GDP numbers come out tomorrow. He is, in fact, making America great again. And that makes his critics hate him even more. We've got that. Plus, how the liberal left wants to take masculinity out of even young boys' lives. That and much more coming up on The Buck Sexton Show. This is The Buck Sexton Show. Where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now... Quite frankly, uh, it's either we hold him in contempt or we get the documents or we impeach him. And and the only thing that we have control over is the ability to bring uh, impeachment straight to the floor. We care about doing the right thing. It might have been 120 years since someone's been impeached. But when was the last time you ever saw the FBI take a disproven document with no, no credibility, no validity, no corroboration, take it to a secret court, not tell the court who paid for it, not tell the court that the guy who wrote it had been leaking information to the press? When have you ever, and not just once, four stinking times. And the last one, Rod Rosenstein signed. It is appropriate that we conduct oversight of the executive branch and that we get full compliance with the executive branch on what are very legitimate document requests. Uh, Do I support impeachment of Rod Rosenstein? No, I do not. I don't think we should be cavalier with this process or with this term. Number one. Number two, I don't think that this rises to the level of high crimes and misdemeanors, a really high standard. They would want to hurt Rosenstein so that they could hurt the Mueller investigation, but hopefully saner minds will prevail on the Republican side, and they won't bring this up. If they did, we welcome their voting on undermining our democracy. (laughs) Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show, everybody. Notice that talking point there. Notice how that goes. Everything Democrats don't like now is, is undermining our democracy. That's right. Producer Mike, if you use straws, you're undermining our democracy. You know what I will say? If you're somebody who leaves a little bing noise on your cell phone, you're definitely undermining our democracy. People need to stop doing that in public places. You know what I'm talking about? That little bell noise? Whenever you get a text or an email, I don't want to hear it, folks. Nobody wants to hear it, okay? It's called vibrate. That's the way it should be. If you don't do it, as I said, undermining our democracy. But Pelosi's crazy there, so (laughs) what a surprise. So here's what we got. Uh, There is a whole slew of... uh, a whole slew of different things coming together here, and and we had the, I had the uh, good fortune of sitting down with Devin Nunes, which I will tell you, as I said, it's not Nunez, it is not even Nunez. He has Americanized it to Nunes. I know this because he told me. So, I talked to Nunes about all this stuff with the Rod Rod Rosenstein and and the DOJ and what's going on there, but today they also put out that they're thinking about impeaching Rosenstein. If you go back, they've impeached some people. Oh, that's right. Why did they impeach me? I just want to just, you know, I just want to spread the Bill Clinton love. I just want to give hugs and smoochies, smoochy boochy, you know, just want to grab some ladies, say hi, what's up? They impeached Bill Clinton, as you know. They've impeached a number of, if you go back in time, they've impeached a number of federal judges, too. 
And way back in the day, like the 19th century, they would they would impeach people for like drunkenness and slovenliness and debauchery. That's basically like, ye shall be forthwith banished from the federal bench for acting like a fraternity brother. You know, they would basically kick people off. That, that that's what the house used to do way back in the day. I bet the I bet the house was a much more interesting place than like the you know I don't know the 1820s that it is now. So anyway. Uh, that's the that's the big fight. I talked to Nunes about it. I'll give you some of my perspective on this one, of course. And, and uh, there's there's two levels here. You got to separate this out in your mind. There's are would they be justified in impeaching Rosenstein? And then is it wise to impeach Rosenstein? That's how you have to break this whole thing down. So let's start with. The first one, would they be justified? Because this is where I think the Trump case is, or yeah, the, the administration and uh, some members of the Freedom Caucus in the House have the strongest case. Because the answer is, what the DOJ has been doing is not okay. We've gotten to the point here, we have to ask the question, if Trump just said, declassify the whole FISA document, and DOJ said no, what would happen? You know what the answer is? Nobody knows. Department of Justice is an executive branch agency, which means that it falls under the president's Article 2 authority, but they if they refuse to do something, what are you going to do? You're going to have the Department of Agriculture arrest the Department of Justice? I mean, no one really knows what would happen. Uh, that, would be, that would be unlikely. Uh, so no one really knows where that would go. You'd have a, con- you'd have a, a true constitutional crisis. So people are bringing that up a lot. I actually asked uh, Devin Nunes, who, as you know, is on the House Intelligence Committee and has been among the most stalwart uh, defenders of. Well, not even defender. He's just seeking out the, the truth of what really happened here. with This whole FISA situation, this FISA document. And if you want to see that whole interview, by the way, it's on Hill.tv slash rising. I, I would it's worth it. We talked about uh, the biggest national security threat. We discussed what's blacked out in that FISA, what's redacted in that FISA application. What can he tell us about it? He had some interesting stuff to say on that. There's a lot there. Uh, so back to the Rosenstein impeachment situation, I, I would say that there's plenty of reason for them to remove Rosenstein, assuming a few things are true. One, that he has been the one uh, slow rolling information. It's, it's very... the. Part of the problem with the bureaucracy is that it is intentionally set up by the people who work there so that everybody can evade accountability. No one is really accountable at a massive federal bureaucracy. I know because I work at the CIA, right? Like, yeah, we invade this country. We invade that country. Who's really responsible? Eh, you know, it's not us. Somebody else. Who made that call? Eh, somebody else's call. And that's why it's very hard to reform these enormous bureaucratic behemoths, right? So, Rosenstein would probably say that the slow rolling of information, the slow walk of information on the Russia collusion delusion is somebody else's fault. Who? We don't know, but not him. right? It's the, it's the office that handles redactions, or it's the office that handles liaison with the Congress, or it's the, you know, there's always something that they can point to. So it's tough to get them on that. I, I'm just trying to be honest and realistic about this. And then there's the other part of this as well. If Rod Rosenstein did, in fact, threaten members of the House Intelligence Committee with investigation because of their oversight duties, that alone for me 
would in fact be grounds for impeachment from office. Remember, it's not they're not talking about criminally prosecuting, they're talking about removing him from office, folks. So I, I completely disagree with uh, Paul Ryan, and I would note that a lot of the Democrats, mark my words, folks, Nancy Pelosi, who's the undermine our democracy, Nancy Pelosi, if in fact the Democrats, heaven forbid, take back the House this fall. I know, I know. I'm crying on the inside, too. But if that were to happen, uh, then I think it would be obvious that their position on, that her position on, and many other Democrats right now on how, you know, this is crazy and you can only, it's only very serious charges that you would ever consider uh, bringing against somebody or that uh, bringing somebody with impeachment to remove them from office, that will change. They're going to impeach Trump on whatever they want. They're just going to make something up. It doesn't matter. Impeachment is not just about criminal offenses. As I said, go back and look. Drunkenness. Not a criminal offense as far as I'm aware. Drunkenness was grounds for removal from the federal bench. I, I guess if you showed up, you're like, hey, you steal us, you steal us three horses. No. All right, case closed. I mean, that's probably bad, right, if you're on the federal bench and, you know? Yes, you drove in with a giant trunk full of marijuana, or you say, no, okay, next. Yeah, so I can understand why they'd remove people for that. That's, that's, that's fair game. Nonetheless, Rosenstein is a problem. That's for sure. Rosenstein is a an institutionalist and a bureaucrat extraordinaire. He cares more about the DOJ than he does about getting to the truth of what the DOJ did here because it's bad. There's no way around it. Le dossier, the dossier, is unacceptable as a primary or even a a, uh, a, a component of any kind, in my opinion, of what went into that FISA application. Wasn't all of it, but that doesn't matter. It was too much of it just because you can see the way it was written into that release FISA application over the weekend. So I would just note that uh, there's there's clearly what we call, and I, I can't think of a better way to say this. I, I had to talk to somebody about this on TV recently. I said, what's a better way of saying CYA than to actually say what it stands for, right? Um, but that's what's going on here. CYB, cover your butt. That's what they're... That's what they're doing. And that's what's motivating much of the Department of Justice's slow rolling and slow walking and all these other things you see going on. So, I think you need to keep all of that in mind. So that's on the, do they have reason to do this? Is it fair for them to do this? And the answer is, yeah, they can remove Rosenstein from office. He works for the executive branch. Congress has this oversight. They can do this. They have it for a reason. By the way, I think they should start impeaching some federal judges on the Ninth Circuit for example, yeah, give that one some thought. Judges are just making stuff up as they go along. Judges, you think they have the right to override presidential authority on a whim? That's a big problem. When you talk about high crimes and misdemeanors, notice misdemeanors, minor stuff. There's minor stuff too. So I, I think that uh, impeaching Rosenstein is something that is justified on the merits. Do I think it would be wise? Is this a good thing for the Republicans to do? Well, if you just give me a moment, 
I will collect my thoughts on this one. I will come back and give you the full rundown, the fullest of rundowns. We'll also talk about how the crazy left wants to uh, brainwash your young young sons into abandoning their masculinity because, you know, it's toxic. Obvi, LOL, it's toxic. We'll talk about that and also uh, a bit on Trump and trade. Big week. I mean, this administration this week is, you know, isn't it amazing how resilient? I mean, that's of all of Trump's characteristics, the resiliency of this administration. They they went they went to DEFCON one with media freak out over the whole Helsinki thing. Didn't leave a scratch on Trump's administration. Really doesn't matter. And now here we are. What a week a week and change later and. Great week for Trump. Great week for Trump. So we'll get into this. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Also, if you like Twitter, I'm doing this show live. You can tweet at me or whenever you want, for that matter, at Buck Sexton. We'll be right back. It is the most short-sighted, and I have to say stupid thing I've heard in a long time. Here you have a president who the Democrats are trying to impeach. Can you impeach a president or anyone else when you don't charge him with specific crimes just because you disagree with what he's done? And now you have the Republicans making the case for the Democrats who want to impeach the president by offering bills of impeachment against Rod Rosenstein that don't charge crimes. Both sides do this. They use criminal law to go after their enemies. They use impeachment to go after their enemies. The big victim is the American public. Impeachment is supposed to be there for serious crimes, treason, bribery, other high crimes and misdemeanors. If you don't like the way Rod Rosenstein is responding to your subpoena, charge him with contempt of court. Bring him to court. But do not use impeachment. There's a dersh. The dersh. You know, I've actually I've managed to also now dub Joe Concha, my colleague here at the Hill, the conch and people it's caught on. People like it. We're like the conch. He's in. Joe's great. Joe's great. Um, but the Dersh, you know, sometimes he's really spot on. I think he's totally wrong here, by the way. Not all in that it's uh, a bad. I, I agree that it's probably counterproductive to get rid of Rosenstein. Who's going to replace Rosenstein? Do we know he's any better? The person that takes over for Rosenstein could be another Sally Yates. We don't know. Could be another deep stater. So I don't think that this has the intended effect necessarily. Remember, the problem here is the DOJ bureaucracy. It's not uh, just one person. It's the culture of these federal agencies that think that they're a law unto themselves. I also think Dersh is wrong here. Uh, I think Dersh is wrong on the issue of how Democrats will use this Rosenstein impeachment effort against Republicans later. Yeah, they will, but they'll do it anyway, meaning that they're going to try to what the, the problem that he's citing is, well, they're not pointing to crimes for why they should impeach Rosenstein. And I'm saying, well, that's they don't have to. So I'll get into that in a second. Uh, but the Democrats aren't going to necessarily point to crimes for why they're going to impeach Trump. In fact, we know they're just going to point to whatever the heck they want. Come on, Dersh, you're better than that. I expect more from him. Uh, and for those who are wondering, I have a little thing called history on my side with this one. Dersh's whole thing about how it has to be for high crimes and misdemeanors. You mean for stuff like drunkenness, which is why you had uh, the federal official known as Mark Del- Delay Hay, 
or Delahaye, <laughs> Delahaye, sorry, Mark Delahaye, uh, back in 1873, um, perhaps graft and corruption with William, uh, William Belknap back in 1876. Abuse of power. A judge in Missouri named James Peck back in 1831. Drunkenness. There's my man. John Pickering. Removed March 12th, 1804. So, uh, you know, there, there's some things here that uh, when you look at it, you go, hold on a second. Uh, you know, abuse of power. There's all kinds of things in here that are not necessarily crime. Certainly not that anyone went to prison for. Uh, that at the time, failure to live in his district, Charles Swain, uh, back in uh, Florida in 1904. People have been impeached for these things. So so his thing about it, it's only things like treason. Uh, the Dersh is just, unfortunately, historically speaking, incorrect. Um, just like when he talks to me about guns. I wish I could find that CNN debate where he's like, states with lax gun laws have more crime. I'm like, you mean the Wild West cauldron of violence known as vermont which has almost no crime and almost no gun laws i mean as some gun laws but i'm just saying it's very lax by u.s standards um great state too great in the summer i don't i don't ski so i'm not i'm not into in the winter time but anyway so impeachment is uh you know i then now it's the is it wise side of things i don't think it's smart for the republicans to do this and i, I know some of you getting mad at me buck hold them accountable hold them responsible it doesn't have the intended effect though because you're not going to get somebody because here's the real thing. Do you want to impeach Rosenstein because you want to get the documents or do you want to impeach Rosenstein because you think that whoever takes over for him will fire Mueller? If, if it's if it's door number two, we don't know that. And oh, by the way, there's door number three here or the third point I'm going to add in. I'm belaboring analogies and getting this all messed up. The third point I want to make here is I don't think we should. I don't think Mueller should be fired right now because he's got nothing. He's grasping at straws, folks. This is this is a bridge to nowhere. He's going to write some pathetic report about how, you know, he, he believes that there might have been a obstructionist state of mind the president had when he fired Comey or something. It's not it's not going to amount to anything. There'll be no charges against Trump. There'll be nothing. And then we'll we'll be able to sit around and have a big laugh session at CNN and all the rest. We're going, oh, my gosh, Trump, Russian collusion. Oh. Um, so I don't think he sh- I don't think firing him is a good idea, even though do I think Mueller would be, be justified in ending that probe? Sure. But remember. Should you is different than Kenya. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Rough day for Facebook on... uh on Drudge and on the stock market and everywhere else. I mean, the Drudge Report right now is up. Death to the algorithm. Facebook spiral. Stock down almost 20% today. The largest the largest a single day loss of wealth, I think, in any stock in U.S. history. Right? And I think Mark, producer Mike is my unofficial financial advisor, so I always check in with him. He's running. Dude, you guys, this guy, seriously. I never see how he gets to work. I think it's in a gold-plated Rolls-Royce because he's very knowledgeable about stocks, bonds, you know, but he just keeps it quiet. He keeps on the down low. He hangs out with Hannity's people a lot, too. So you know he's, he, knows, he knows all the good stuff. He's got, he's got access to all the info, all the big CEOs and insiders. Uh, but, Producer Mike, am I correct? This was the biggest one-day 
biggest one-day drop in history for in terms of loss of wealth in one U.S. stock. Billions and billions of dollars. Mark Zuckerberg lost $16 billion personally. Yeah, he got hammered. There you go. See, yeah, that's, that's the only analysis you need. He got hammered. He got hammered. Yeah, it was a rough Don't day. invest with people who don't understand conservatism. That's another rule of mine. Well, there you go. I, I look. I'd, I'd say this. It's hard for me. I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist here. It's hard for me, though, not to feel like it's not just this week. Because this week, we and remember, shadow banning is a Twitter thing. Actually, by the way, Mike, can we check and see if I've ever been shadow banned? Because I feel like I could have been shadow banned at some point. My name is Buck Sexton. I could be a Russian bot. Uh, you know, somebody, one of the one of the lady national security analysts at CNN tweeted at me not too long ago. You sound like a Russian bot to me. I want to be like, is that your way of asking me for my phone number? But uh, well, according to Alex Jones, you're a very definition of the deep state. And that, that is true. Actually, I have the definition of the deep state. If I were the definition of the deep state, I feel like I'd have a bigger apartment. But you know, yeah, it's it's true. I he. There he is. Look at that face. Look at that, that secure, smug, satisfied. I mean, Dallas is, is is a substation. I've seen it. I've seen it. Barbecues, family. By the way, was he saying that all his family were like former spies or something? I don't know. It's such a weird, what a weird guy. But here's the thing, folks. I don't know. So I know, and I know some of you are Alex Jones. I know some of you. I hear you. You you sent me a message. You're like, but Buck, like, come on. I mean, sometimes I'm like, nope, nope, nope. Don't, don't pull that. Don't pull that with me, that buck buck stuff. You listen to whoever you want, but don't try to convert me, team. No, he's really makes sense on the chemtrails. No, 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 no. You can listen to whoever you want, but I'm I'm not saying. He made fun of the hair. You come after the swoop, you got to apologize. There's no there's no coming back from that. Alex Jones made fun of the swoop. I'm I do not forget. Uh, so anyway. With the with the whole shadow banning thing, which that sounds so scary, doesn't it? You've been shadow banned. It sounds like something that happened to people in the Gulag Archipelago. Shadow banned. Uh, it means that they downrank you, and and I've been saying this for a long time because it's just I refuse to believe that these progressive companies, where it's so easy to create algorithms that you know downrank. Uh, in search and search is a huge like Google is obviously a, a best known for being a search engine, although it has all these other businesses now, too. It's now called Alphabet. I even call I mean, Alphabet is the parent company that owns Google. Uh, but when you do search, whatever pops up in the first page is basically what the world sees. And whatever's in the first few results is really all that anyone cares about. For the most part, it's like a huge percentage of the actual traffic is the first few results. So. For example, for a news organization, if you show up in the top of search results, when people look up, you know, Big Fire, California or something, whatever comes up is going to get a tremendous amount of traffic. Think of the power then that these search organizations or search engines have when it comes to supporting or not a media enterprise. Now that's true of Facebook and it's true of Twitter. Facebook was and has been thought of as a better place for conservatives for a long time because it's so much about what the community shares with each other and there, there's just we, we've just known this i've sat down with all these different social media specialists and you know a lot of you listening to the show right now of the of the people that listen to this radio show for example i think it's a fair estimate that about 90 percent of you are at least on facebook maybe you don't use it but at least you have a facebook account and something more like five percent of you are probably on twitter 
which is way, way smaller. And it might even be more like 2 or 3%. It's a very small amount of you listening to this show based on all the data that I've seen are on Twitter. Now, Facebook has been a, a stronghold for conservatives for a while to get their thoughts out there, and it's also a way to go around the mainstream media platforms, which are still dominated by, one, corporations that often have CEOs and boards that, that skew pretty left, you know, places. You know, GE was the for-profit arm of the Obama administration, for example. I mean, when you look at the way that some of these companies not just are 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 acting in, in the public sphere, uh, but also their political connections, they, they can be very left-wing. Uh, they can be very left-wing indeed. And Facebook is no is no different. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg is very much uh, a, a, a quasi-open borders guy. Uh, he's somebody who, you know the guy's a liberal, okay? So keep that in mind. But But this has been brewing for a while, and that there's this kind of perfect storm of the shadow banning thing on Twitter we find out is real. It's real. They were doing it. Now they're saying, oh, sorry, we just kind of like, sorry conservatives were targeted. It was totes an accident. Sure it was. Uh, but so we know that that wasn't just something that we were imagining. It's real. And then beyond that, uh, beyond that, you had this months of gathering uh, criticism about Facebook for all the Russia collusion stuff. And people were like, oh, my gosh, Facebook. And it needs to do more. It needs to do more to combat untrue stuff on social media. I'm like, this is, think about this. It's not Facebook's job to do fact-checking. And any of you who have any uh, familiarity with a little thing called PolitiFact, it's, it's nonsense what they put out a lot of the time. I don't, know, I, I don't know if it was CBS's fact-checker, like CBS News or PolitiFact's fact-checker recently said that it's not accurate to call the dossier a Clinton campaign document or a Clinton-funded campaign document. Yeah, producer Mike is, like, throwing things at the wall over there. I know, dude. It's crazy. It's crazy. How, how is that the case? How is it possible that you could come out with But this is true on a lot of, you know, whether it's the Washington Post with their, you know, their, I, I will say I like their whole pants on fire thing, right? Isn't that what? Or no, Pinocchio's. It's not pants on fire. What am I saying? No, that's not as cute. It'd be better if they had, like, pants on fire. You know, like, do you get three pants on fire, four pants on fire? Liar, liar. Uh, you know, think of where this goes. We've already seen that they are turning against conservatives based on the algorithms, if you give them not just more leeway, but a, a sense that they have some obligation, if the social media networks, which are the dominant information platforms, present and future, my friends, okay, the, a lot of the channels you rely on right now, mm-mm, they're, they're not going to be the big, uh, the, the cable news channels, they're not going to be the big players of the future. It's all going digital. And, if you're in a position to even make minor adjustments to what gets shared via Facebook and these other places, it look they they've basically killed off news organizations already. I mean, face, by Facebook changing its algorithm, which it did a couple of years ago, largely said I could make more money, saying that you know you got to pay us for this stuff now. Yeah, Mike remembers that. What are you telling me now? That just reminded me of the New York Daily News. Oh yeah, Daily News. I, it's just—it's tough to feel. Look, I feel badly for anybody who loses their job just because it stinks, right? And you're a human being; you don't want to lose their job. But I just wish the Daily News cover wasn't psychotic. 
You know, if if they weren't running psychotic front covers, I'd have a little more like, okay, they're doing journalism. It was it was pretty pretty tacky stuff that they were putting out. Um, I just I thought the Daily News reporting and and a lot a lot of the editorial columns that they would print were just just wasn't very good. Just honestly, it just wasn't a good paper. I don't know. So you know, I feel badly for people there, except it's not a good. It wasn't a good product. So does everybody get to? I this is this is something Mike Mike has really. I wanted to talk about this. Journalists are so much quicker to like play the world's smallest violin for other journalists getting getting fired, unless they're conservatives, and then whatever they get, whatever like scorn they can heap on them, they will. But journalists always break out the world's smallest violin for other journalists, but not for normal Americans. You know, so so when when you'll see that people, you know, at uh, you know the New York Times when they write about like massive layoffs in some town in South Carolina or something, they can do it with this sterility. Like we're just bringing you the news on this. You know, this would happen. Ten thousand people, no more paycheck, no more health care. Stinks for them. But oh my gosh, the Daily News! Like you know, half the staff fired there. Look, I've. Folks, I, I, I'm the guy who has had to get on the phone many times and uh, calm people down after. Uh, this has all been well publicized. Glenn talked about it, too. When I was at the Blaze, there were some tough times there. We had lo- we had lots of people that get laid off, and uh, a lot of them would call me and say, you know, what's next and what can I do and you know, how can you help me? So I, I'm very attached to the human side of all this. But, yeah, the daily news, mm, I don't know. And it's uh it's going all digital. I think they're keeping forty people. Anyway. Facebook. Facebook uh stock got crushed today, which stinks for Buck. I hope Miss Molly likes ramen noodles. You know? Or maybe uh we're gonna we're maybe up in my peanut butter account. Peanut butter, if you're looking for calories in, you know, if you're really just looking to I would go almond butter, but that's a little frou frou. Almond butter's expensive. You got like a good thing of almond butter, it's like fifteen bucks. You get a thing of jiffy. You get it at Walmart, it's like $2, you know? And it, Have you done it, cashew butter yet, man? That's crazy. Oh, cashew too. butter is amazing. Look at you. You're, dude, producer Mike's so bougie. I can't even see John right now, but I know John's into the bougie nut butters too. I'm all, look, I'm all about the bougie nut butters. Like occasionally, if I'm feeling really saucy, I'll have some Brazil nut milk, which is delicious. I know it sounds, I know, people are all, some of you are giggling. Yeah, yeah, I get it. But of the nut milks, Brazil nut milk is is my favorite uh, a little it, it, they tend to add the uh, sugar to these things though which is not pretty good for you as we know almond milk though these aren't milks they're juices it's really it's really nut juice if we're going to be clear about this because they're just they're squeezing nuts and making juice out of it there's no there's really no milk milk comes from an animal side note uh yeah man so facebook is uh facebook stock got crushed today i think it's because Facebook is trying to straddle this line of being a public utility, but also a, a vehicle for social, for social enterprise and for, you know, being in charge of what people can see, but also just being a platform of what they can post. And there was a meeting today, and this is what I meant to get to, and I'm sorry, Mike got me talking about nut milk. There was a meeting today, I blame Mike, Code Red coming his way, uh, where they had some senior Facebook executives and some journalists and the journalists are like, well, what are you going to do to stop fake news from being shared on? I mean, uh, not fake news. What are you going to do for, to stop Fox News with all of its fake news from being shared on Facebook? I was like, you're going to that's the most popular cable channel on cable TV. 
You're gonna you're gonna strip Fox News from Facebook? I mean, this is what jur- so-called journalists are asking. And then they threw Infowars in there too, which you know we'll see. I'm not yet sold on Alex Jones's beard. I got to see how he really grows it out, and then we'll have a full we'll have a, a more fulsome discussion on this one. But uh, he, I think he is. Do we know Mike? Is he banned from Facebook yet? We're not sure yet. He might be banned from Facebook. I think he's saying he is. But this is the new war. For, this is the new mainstream media fight. It is not with the mainstream. Well, it's with the mainstream media, but it's, it's the one of the future is going to be with the social media platforms because they are now the mainstream media. They're a part of it. They are the delivery mechanism for left-wing narratives and for the suppression of conservative thought and for all the truth that comes with it. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. Uh, we will talk trade because it's a great day for trade, great day for America. We'll get into some of that. Um, and and all, all those fun. We'll talk about farms. If anybody out there in farm country wants to call in, people that work on farms, also known as farmers, if you have any thoughts or ideas on this, let me know. I'm very curious to see what you think. And uh, we got that and much more. So stay right there, team. And I hope you look around and you see all these empty seats and you realize even in New York City, people will not come and pay money to hear you speak. I'd rather review it's a garbage book. It's a garbage book and you're a garbage person. You lied as press secretary, now you're lying in your book. The Wall Street Journal called you a liar. All right, you get the idea. So that's that's uh, <laughs> that's some irate liberal, or do I repeat myself, at a book event with Sean Spicer where he just stands up at a Barnes & Noble in Brooklyn. I got to say, Sean Spicer in Brooklyn. Brooklyn is crazy lib central for New York now. Brooklyn is where the craziest of the libs gather and i'm not surprised but you know there's such a such a a lack of civility dare i say that we see once again you got them going after sean spicer here you got some other imbecile who took a a pickaxe to trump's star on the walk of fame in hollywood which you know it's just vandalism but why be such an idiot um and then you had somebody else who loosed uh, what's her Betsy DeVos's forty million dollar yacht from its mooring and did ten thousand dollars of damage? Oh my gosh, who loosed the yacht from the mooring? Such savages! Uh, you know, I mean, you gotta. I'm pretty sure if you're gonna be on a forty million dollar yacht, you have to wear an ascot and a hat with an anchor on it. Like, I don't think you're allowed to step on it without that. I think that's the uniform. But yeah, she's uh, she's upset too about that. She's she's upset. Um, understandably so. But this is I, I cannot remember a single Obama administration official who faced any of this, any of this kind of nonsense, um, either while they were in office or, or you know, while they were serving in government or afterwards. But this is, I, I suppose, we are supposed to accept this as, as conservatives. This is just the way that it's. It's going to be right. That's what they tell us. Um, now, spicy can handle it. 
I think the biggest favor that anyone did him in the media was actually Melissa McCarthy impersonating him because that actually made him kind of likable. Uh, but Spicy is going to be fine. It is just a trend, though, right? I could think of all those off the top of my head. Maniac liberals acting like maniacs. There is no equivalent on the right. They can pretend like there is, but there just isn't. You and I both know that. So, hey, at least we're on the side of the normal sane people. Isn't that nice? Uh, We're going to talk about Trump and trade and farms and China. Oh, my. Coming up. The economy is booming right now, and that means that if you're hiring, you are in a talent situation where you got to get the best and you got to get them through your hiring process quickly, right? You don't want any delays, and you certainly don't want to make a bad decision about who you hire. Global Verification Network is essential in that process. For everybody listening to the show out there, if you are in the HR department of a company, large or small, or if you're a small business owner and you want to make sure that you're getting the right people for your business. If you happen to be the CEO of a massive company, that's great too. Global Verification Network is the background investigation and vetting company you want to use. You go to mygvn.com or call them at 877-695-1179. That's 877-695-1179. They always pick up the phone when you call. They don't outsource any of your data. They're the only dual-certified, veteran-owned background investigation and vetting company Global Verification Network, leave no stone unturned. MyGVN.com. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. One small thing. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Even the politicians in Washington. Nobody wanted me to be doing what I'm doing. The country was doing well, but ultimately, it was going to be a very bad thing for our country. So I did it, and I did it when we were the strongest. We're having the best economy we've ever had in the history of our country. This is the time to straighten out the worst trade deals ever made by any country on earth ever in history. These deals were made by people, I don't know if they didn't understand or if they didn't care or if they didn't frankly love our country. But we have the worst trade deals ever made in history. But now they're becoming good again. Every time this president is told by the critics and the naysayers and the know-nothing, you can't do it, you shouldn't do it, no one's ever done it, he goes and does it. He pulls out of the Paris Accords, he moved the, the embassy to Jerusalem, he get out of the Iran deal, he got the corporate tax rate from 35% to 21%, and on and on and on, the deregulation, and now the trade. And every time the naysayers and critics do it, they're just they're proving his point about being a man of action in a town of, t- a town of talk, about getting rid of all these Loch Ness monsters and other alligators <laughs> here in the swamp. Why is it important? It's important because it goes beyond him just keeping a promise to the American worker and American interest to renegotiate these imbalanced, unfair, non-reciprocal trade deals. He's actually putting America first, but by standing shoulder to shoulder with other leaders, in this case, the EU. Welcome back, folks. Good to have you here on the Bucks Action Show. I'm I'm watching this whole trade situation play out. And isn't it isn't it amazing to see how even when when things are, are starting to look up for Trump on this, 
the uh, the the naysayers, as Kellyanne Conway put there. She's right. That, that's what they are. The, the chorus of "Oh, Trump doesn't understand anything. He doesn't know anything." They never think maybe maybe we were wrong. Maybe we should hear him out, or even we should let this play out. They're still so set. Uh, there is a stubbornness that is a characteristic of the failure of previous elitist thinking on this issue. And that's what's really at risk here. The same way that Trump causes so many of our permanent governing class in both the government and the media and corporate America to question how special and how wonderful they really are. And they hate that. They absolutely hate it. The trade experts, the international economists, the, uh, you know, the IMF latte drinking set, they see what Trump is doing, and it's supposed to be terribly disruptive and awful and crash the economy. And, and wait a second. What if he's right? That's the one thing they never factored into their considerations of this. One possibility that they never considered was what if Trump is right? And these trade deals are, in fact, bad. CNBC's Sarah Eisen got to sit down with Jack Lew, who some of you may vaguely recall as Obama's Treasury Secretary. And she wanted to push him a bit on uh, on this this trade deal that is looking like it's going to happen with the EU, which would be a great thing for the American economy, uh, which is not a deal that people thought he'd be able to get done. And they were saying it's just going to result in a trade war. Instead, it looks like it's going to result in a better agreement. Oh, you mean a negotiation can involve some some sticks as well as carrots? Some pushback and not just getting pushed around? Isn't this a shock? Here is CNBC's Sarah Eisen talking to the former Obama Treasury Secretary about Trump's pending EU deal. Play it. I mean, we're creating part of the problem right now with our policy. Theoretically, this would avoid those audit, auto tariffs, yeah, which have I been hope, I certainly hope that's the case. I, I'm in a little bit of a bad position to respond, not knowing the full details. I, do, I, I think avoiding auto tariffs would be a very good thing. Auto tariffs would hurt the American economy. And certainly the European economy as well. But, I mean, if this is true, this would be certainly a win for the administration. And it would show the world that these tough trade tactics are working. This idea of short-term pain for long-term gain. It's certainly not the way you guys went about it. I I, I kind of beg to differ on that. I think if you look at the role the United States has played in the world for the last 70 years, in the last few months we've seen more damage to U.S. leadership in the world than I could have imagined in a short period of time. What damage? Notice how it just... I was just waiting for him to go, they're they're, uh, undermining our democracy, right? Russia collusion. I mean, what damage? Damage to leadership how? Where? Where where is this damage? They say these things, and all the numbers prove otherwise. All the numbers look great. Comparatively to what they were, and in some cases compared to what they've ever been. But they'll talk about the destruct see, notice it's these are all word games with them. It's all narrative. It's all story that they create. They fabricate. It's fiction. Dare I say it's fake news. That's the former Treasury Secretary, and he can't even deal with the reality of what that CNBC reporter is putting in front of him, which is, you guys didn't do this, but this looks like it's working. What do you think? Well, they're destroying leadership in the whole world and stuff, and, you know, destroying the leadership. And 
here's here's a here's a here's just a, a fun thought, folks. Obama doesn't know anything about the economy, or did not at all when he became president. Perhaps he learned a bit while he was president. I mean, he's the guy who said that it was a good idea to put coal out of power, coal plants, you know, to essentially mothball them and electricity pro- uh, prices skyrocketing. I mean, he had a rudimentary at best understanding of and it's not just economics of how markets work of how business works, commerce. That's what matters so much more. It's one of the problems I have actually with our education system is that we'll teach these economic theories, and economists can't predict stuff, don't know nearly as much as they think they know, and have a terrible track record for being effectively useless. I'm just saying, it's true. Much better to learn about how does does a, a business work? How do markets work? How does the economy actually function? Not how do you think it would function based on some things you write on a board. And Trump understands that because he's been doing it for a very long time. Obama had never run a business. Obama's only business was the business of Obamaism. But we were led to believe that he was, you know, he he was a great steward of the economy. His greatest contribution was essentially saying that the rich aren't doing enough for the poor. You know? That the rich need to have more of their money taken away. In fact, when they mean rich, what they mean are people that are just beginning to hit their peak earning years. They need to give more of their money away to other people. Because the very rich don't care about taxes and redistribution. And the very rich are, uh, there's, there's pl- plenty of them, as you know, who are Democrats, right? Plenty of the super rich. And they'll rail on about taxes all the time. But Jack Lou goes right back to the talking points well there when, when confronted with what if what Trump is doing is working. And I, I just hope we can continue with this until the midterms because... What a what an amazing affirmation of Trump's success it would be if despite all the historical evidence that the party in power gets, you know, gets crushed in a uh, in midterm elections in the in the first term of presidency, despite all that stuff, if Trump is able to if the Republican Party and Trump are able to hold the house, it will send a really profound message to all the doubters and the haters, as Trump would say. And this is this is what leadership is. Leadership is not getting up, giving a speech that some other people wrote for you, that you know everybody that you want to impress is going to say is good, and that involves no new thinking or no new processing of information and requires no risks. Leadership must entail some risks. If your decision-making is always consensus, you are not a leader. You are merely a vessel through which that consensus passes, which is what for liberalism and the left, Obama was. He wasn't really leading, especially on issues of the economy. So, there you have it. There you have it. Um, it also means looking at the long-term versus the short-term, which Wilbur Ross is a, becoming a, an increasingly visible part of this administration. He, he, managed, he made a very a point that I've been making here. Don't you love it when some of these very important, powerful government officials sound just like Buck Sexton later on after he's been saying it? I think it's great. Uh, Here's what Wilbur Ross said about the situation right now with trade. Play 12. If you have to get into a spat with someone, the right time to do it is when your own economy is booming, as ours is. You've seen the record low unemployment. You've seen people coming back to the workforce. That's right. Got to do it now. It feels a little bit like, why rock the boat now? Why do this when things are going so well? Well, the point is, a, a leader says, you know what? 
this is the time when I have the leeway to do what's necessary to perhaps protect our agricultural sector from intentional. This is, by the way, it's it's foreign interference in our elections, what the Chinese are doing. The Chinese are specifically targeting their economic policies to hurt Trump in the midterms. That's what they're doing. I'm not saying that, oh, well, it's the same as what Russia did, but people try to influence our elections in a million different ways. They always have and they always will. Outsiders, foreign governments, foreign corporations, people are trying to do all kinds of things. But Trump is showing some real real backbone on this issue. And, you know, uh, steel is an area where also he's obviously been making a lot of inroads. Here's the presence about that. Play 18. Do we, ha- do we have 18, my friend? Cheerio. Over the last two decades, nearly two-thirds of American raw steel companies went out of business. More than one-third of the steel jobs vanished. We need steel mills for national security. Remember that. This isn't just price. This isn't just, gee, we could do it for a little bit less. We need it for national security. You know, there's there's a point here that I think often gets lost, which is that we, we always think about just, and Trump is right to focus in on price. People say, well, look at Walmart. All this made in China stuff means you got all this stuff. Let me tell you, somebody who just moved, most of you listen to this, and you know this, folks. You know this. You got so much more crap in your house and in your apartment or whatever than you need. I mean, we're just drowning in a lot of useless consumer goods these days. I mean, some of it's amazing and great, and, you know, you've got more computing power in your pocket if you have a smartphone than the whole NATO alliance had in 1950, okay? So, you, know, you, you, you look at all this stuff, and it's worth keeping in mind that, that price is not the only uh, price is not the only thing that matters in an economy and that matters to a country because we've lost this domestic industry, which also means we have to import a lot of this stuff. And sure, it's cheap, but you know what else would be cheap? Stuff that we were making here. You don't have to send it from overseas to us, right? That that also is, is another way of looking at this. Um, you know, when you don't have domestic industry, you're also more at the whim of, of international market fluctuations and you know, there are trade-offs here. I'm not saying that this is a this is all win-win, but it's kind of like you know that liberals are lying on immigration when they tell you that illegal immigration only has upside. It's just not true. It's obviously untrue. You know that the Democrats are lying when, or for, it's not just Democrats. I, I I retract that statement. You know that the anti-Trump opposition on trade is lying because they make it sound like anything that Trump tries to do on trade is a bad idea. Anything he does in terms of fighting back against tariffs or trying to negotiate new deals is bad. NAFTA is over 20 years old. They didn't have the Internet when NAFTA came into effect. But, oh, no, no, don't touch NAFTA. Don't touch NAFTA. This is stale thinking from people that don't lead and don't want to take risks. And sometimes you you need a billionaire who doesn't really give a what about what people think about him uh, to get things done. And that's what we are seeing. Will it work? I hope so. Not sure yet. But mark my words, if if these, I'm hearing, because I now am swamp connected, my the vines from my swamp perch here extend far and wide all throughout the District of Columbia now. If those GDP numbers tomorrow are what I think they are, it is going to be a straight-up buck slap to the Obama years with regard to the economy. Just it'll just show 
We did not have to suffer through that anemic growth. We did not have to deal with such slow recovery from a cyclical recession. We didn't have to deal with all that stuff. It was bad policy, bad thinking, and poor leadership from the Democrats. And I think tomorrow will be one of the biggest data points in that once we see these GDP. I mean, they're looking like it might be 3% for the year, folks. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there. 844-900-2825. 844-900-BUCK. If you want to give me a ring, I will be right back. Ooh, I was dragging today a little bit. You know what I decided to do? I wasn't going to have my third cup of coffee in three hours because I probably was on coffee cup number four or five when I got to this point. I needed something else. Give me a little bit of a boost. I needed something to help me get some energy for the rest of the day. You know what I went with? Strike Force Energy. Strike Force is veteran-owned and American-made, my friends. It's so easy. It comes in these little packets. What you do is you mix the liquid in the packet with water, with tea, lemonade you can put it in some yogurt you can even put it in a beer if you want to and it is full of all of that stuff that you need in order to get you fired up for the day it'll fuel you through your toughest fights whether it's going to the gym getting through your working hours or just making sure you got energy at home also for every packet you buy they'll donate one to military service members overseas go to strikeforceenergy.com and our discount code bucket checkout that's strikeforceenergy.com discount code buck at checkout CNBC rapid update which is the median of 10 tracking forecasts on the street running at 4.2% that's a really strong number you GDP 4.2% they're expecting tomorrow. That was CNBC. Just giving you a little bit of audio on that one. Uh, 4.2%. Over over 4%. The best during all eight years of the Obama presidency was one quarter at 5.2%. That was over eight years. And that included after a trillion dollars of spending and coming out of a recession when you'd think that we would have, you know, an economy that was just roaring and ready to go. But, you know... You didn't build that is not inspiring for business owners and for American uh, American ingenuity. You know, you didn't build that. Right. Pay your fair share. These were you want to talk about rhetoric and the way that rhetoric can affect things badly. I, I think that there is no question that Obama created a hostile climate for uh, for business, especially for the new guy, for the upstart, for the people that were trying to get going, who wanted to better themselves, who wanted to be in a better position for themselves and their family. That's why all those stifling regulations were so uh, so damaging. The regulations hold back people who have new ideas and who want to compete, but they don't have the ability because they don't have the balance sheets and the entrenched position in the marketplace. They don't have the incumbent advantage. Uh, so regulations can crowd them out, take them down. Uh, and then there's just what, what Trump is doing on China, which I'll, we'll spend more time on this one too. Play 21, though. Last year, they lost $375 billion on trade with China. And that doesn't include the theft of intellectual property. Think of that. $375 billion. It's crazy. Not going to happen anymore. It's not going to happen anymore. We're putting the world's trade cheaters on notice. No one rips off the United States of America. And nobody takes advantage of our workers or our companies anymore. They think that he is so bad at words, and yet you, I keep playing all these different 
sound bites from the president of the United States on this show. And you must think to yourself, that sounds pretty good to me. I'm a very stable genius. Exactly, John. You know, what, what, what's the problem here? All this uh, positivity, all this positive rhetoric. But no, no, they, they'd much rather get into the latest, you know, with with Michael Cohen. I, I do think I don't know why the president. Look, I can't tell you why he would choose to have Cohen as his lawyer. And it, it, look, it doesn't make sense to me, but he's a complex figure. This president. I just care about what he's doing for the country. I don't I don't get too into any of the other stuff that's going on because it doesn't matter. It just does not matter. Uh, and I, I hope that the economy continues on with this with this uh, pace, because if it does, things will be very good. By the way, Amazon has huge earnings. Amazon did very well today. So on the other side of things, you know, maybe Amazon is going to. I feel like we're all going to be employees of Amazon at some point soon, but Facebook got crushed there, but Amazon did well. So for those of you who are tech investors, there's that. Jeff Bezos. I remember when he was the nerd who wanted to sell you books, and as people are saying, now he's the richest man in the world who will sell you whatever the heck he wants to. So there's that. Uh, I want to talk to you about how feminists want to brainwash uh, young boys, which is a bad thing, of course, and uh, that and more coming up. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. I actually didn't think that it was real today when I first saw it. I I thought there must be some kind of somebody thought the onion was real or something. But it turns out it is. In a New York Times piece, the claim has been made that Mueller is examining Trump's tweets in a wide ranging obstruction inquiry. That's right, folks. Trump has, I don't know, 40, 50 million Twitter followers. He's putting stuff out on Twitter. And the special counsel is is coming up so empty handed with all this that now they're, they're going through Trump's tweets. Keep in mind, how could that possibly be obstruction? Unless he literally fired somebody in a tweet. But guess what? He can do that if he wants to. So what difference does it make? I don't even know. I can't even think of a way in which it's obstruction. These are people who work for him. Obstruction how? He can fire them for any or no reason. And saying that he doesn't like their job performance, if he can't do that, if he can't publicly state that he doesn't like the job performance of some employees of the executive branch, then Mueller thinks that he can override presidential power and authority because he says so. It's not the way that it works. I also find this very frustrating because I at first thought that Trump's tweets were you know, this uh, this vulnerability. And now they're all saying, oh, they're a big legal vulnerability. I don't think that's true. I, I thought Trump's tweets are vulnerability. But producer Mike, I actually have come to love the tweets. I think that they are. I think they're generally like there have been so many boring news days. where I'm like, yes, look at this Trump tweet. It's amazing. Do you have a favorite, by the way, of all the Trump tweets? Whenever he talks about the liars and the haters, I get excited. It's gold. It's instant gold. Dude, the greatest Trump tweet of all time. That would be a. That would be a tough one. And whenever he talks about CNN as the fake news, I, I'm like, you know, any, any doubts I ever had about this man, they are erased anew whenever he tweets about CNN as fake news. Nothing, nothing really amuses me more. In part because it's true and in part because 
He gets so upset about it. They get so angry. Meanwhile, Obama was very dismissive about Fox News all the time. And, and, and it, and on more than one occasion, suggested that Fox News was, was basically hurting America, dividing America. He called out talk radio. I think he even called out some talk radio hosts by name as people that were being divisive. That was always Obama's thing. You're being divisive. His great rhetorical trick, you're not doing what I say. You're being divisive, was whenever you wouldn't just take an Obama policy directive as an order, you were being divisive. Uh, it's it's quite an ama- it's quite an amazing thing to do to somebody, right? It's like, do what I say. No, why are you being so divisive? Now, now there's a division between us. You won't do what I say, and if you don't pay attention to it, you're like, whoa, wait a second. You're right. I guess I got. I guess I am being divisive. Oh gosh, oh, look at that. So Mueller, he's being divisive with his investigation into all this stuff. Uh, you know, I I think that. One part of this that gets overlooked is that he, Mueller is just like Rosenstein, that he's a an institutionalist. He's somebody who really believes, I think, in the entity of the FBI as something special in the Department of Justice. Right. FBI is under the umbrella of the DOJ as something that is special and 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 should be preserved as de facto an independent wing of the government. That's really what's been at issue here. And that's what you see with the possible impeachment of Rosenstein is that there there is a perception they won't give full description of it right they they won't just come out and say it but there is a perception among a lot of these bureaucrat types that uh, they would like to think of the DOJ and the FBI as their own entity and kind of like the judiciary right its own branch of government well there's also the the fourth branch of government if not the permanent bureaucracy overall, the fourth branch of government is, in fact, the DOJ and the FBI. Theo, you ask for a miracle and I give you the FBI. Any of you who get that action movie quote, I'll be very impressed. Do you know what it is, producer Mike? No, no, don't say it. Don't ruin it. Gosh, Mike. Don't ruin it. Producer Mike was about to jump on that one. I, I know you. I can tell by the look on your face. You know. So, okay. Congrats. Your action movie quote skills are pretty good. Joe Concha actually says he thinks he can go toe-to-toe with me on action movie quotes. Mike, we might have to do this. We might have to connect to you in New York, and Concha and I will be here in the swamp, and we'll see who is the true action movie quote ninja. That's a great idea. I'll, I'll read them off to you, and you guys Yeah, can, exactly. Uh... And, and we'll, you know what we could even do? We could, we could have like a, like a neutral third party send you action movie quotes yes and so they'd have a copy of it so you'd know and they, like everyone and 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 we could do it they could do it at a certain time so i wouldn't be able to see them well our I'd listener our awesome listeners can uh, tweet them at you or, or hit you up on facebook and i'll just go there read them off to you there you go we're going to set this up we're going to have an action movie quote face off uh, that'll, that'll be at some point in the future um speaking of uh action movie quotes and, and other fun things with the podcast guys let me know what you think. If you like the format we've been doing for the Freedom Hut podcast of a of a guest, we're planning to have uh, Jesse Kelly and Sean Parnell just because I think they're both awesome guys who are a lot of fun to talk to. We're just going to talk about some stuff. Should be a great podcast. We're talking about a lot of things. Um, they're they're really fun guys to to chat with, and I have a lot of respect for both of them. So uh, that's been originally I was thinking to do more kind of deep divey segments, and now I've gone more in the guest direction because I do so few guests. People are always amazed. I tell them, they're like, how many guests a day do you have on radio? I'm like, uh, 
0.5, I'd say, ish, maybe 0.25. I'd say we, I'd say we have a guest every other day, a guest every three hours on radio. I have too much to say to all of you. I'm a little, uh, I'm a little stingy with with sharing the audience with other people. I don't, I don't like to do that. This is the team. I don't get enough time with the team as it is. We'll also come back with the Facebook Lives, by the way. I'm actually setting up a studio to do that so it won't look like I'm a, uh, a kid who escaped his high school social studies class and is like, hey, let Facebook Live. I would like you to watch me on Facebook. Please tell your friends. So we'll make it look a little more professional, you know, like I'm a ex-CIA guy who's doing media now, something like that. We got big plans, but please give me the feedback. Facebook.com slash Buck And What are you thinking about the Freedom Hut podcast? What would you like to hear? What would you like more of? And, uh, and be prepared, I think, for what will be a really fun show tomorrow. If you haven't heard it yet before, iTunes. We're on Stitcher, too, Mike. What are the platforms where people can? It's Stitcher, iTunes. What else have we? Is there another one? I, I can't keep up with all that. That Art19 platform you can go to. P- other people can go to Art19 and look yeah, at it you there? Can, yeah, you can Google it there. But okay. I, I would go to. I mean, yeah. How do we get on the Android app? I will look into that. All right, look into that. All right, team, let's talk about feminists and how they're destroying everything. When we come back. Feminists are among the worst of the celebrated contemporary thinkers in America. I I really mean that. Uh, Celebrated feminists are among the most overrated intellectuals in American society. Dare I say, I I think that some of the, the feminist editorialists and columnists I read lately, quite honestly, do not qualify as intellectuals of any kind. They are propagandists. Uh, at best, you might be able to say that they are polemicists, uh, but they are not adding to the intellectual discourse. They're making it worse. What feminists can do for boys. We fought for young women in the patriarchy first, but budding patriarchs could use some help, too. This by Jessica Valenti, who's the author of six books on feminism, according to the New York Times here. This piece is a... A giant, a, a giant pustule on your brain when you read it. I'm telling you, it is an abomination. It's terrible. But I want to discuss why. Let me give you some of the, some of the uh, I was going to say the highlights, but they're definitely lowlights. Quote, one of the many political ironies of our time is that feminism's most powerful cultural moment has coincided with the rise of extreme misogyny. While women protest, run for office, and embrace the movement for gender equality in record numbers, a generation of young, mostly white men, so white men are the enemy, as we know, are being radicalized into believing that their problems stem from women's progress. Whether it's misogynist terrorism, the rash of young men feeling sexually entitled to women, or the persistent stereotype of real men as powerful and violent, it's never been, been, it's never been clearer that American boys are in desperate need of intervention. End quote. Okay. To put in the same paragraph, never mind the same sentence, which is what she did here, that the idea of real men as powerful is in any way linked to misogynist terrorism is intellectually dishonest, to say the least. What you have going on here is a war on science and gender uh, because of what a lot of people would term 
uh, cultural Marxism, which is really just another another way of saying uh, radical collectivism. And it's all of its offshoots, uh, which gives us this notion of intersectional society, right? Intersectional politics, which is a complicated way of saying we're all broken up into these different groups and all the groups are fighting each other for power and white men are at the top of the hierarchy and they're the worst because they're the worst oppressors and everyone's more or less oppressed than the other. We need to balance this out with the power of the state. You see, that's how we're all collective. That's why it's collectivist because we're all thought of in the collective. We're a group. You are not you. You are white. You are black. You are male. You are female. You are Asian. You are... uh, African, you are, you know, you go good on all the different, you are LGBTQ, you are trans, you are all the different identity groups. That is your primary identifier in the cultural Marxist view of society. That's how people should think of you first and foremost, which is just one, it's, it's intellectually uh, flimsy and does not stand up to reason and logic. But even beyond that, it's deeply destructive to society and feminism which is just another version of the interse- of intersectionality one of the earlier ones you see play out this notion of like women as this oppressed class who have to fight back uh in the 20th century uh has now reached a point where instead of trying for equality which was a necessary fight under under law and the suffrage uh the suffragettes and it's now turned into no now it's a victimology movement not an equality movement and i just feel like Contemporary feminism also doesn't do any real accounting of what it has done to to women right now. Oh, I know this gets you in so much trouble, right? Oh, I'm about to step in it. Watch out. Watch your foot, Buck. Here you go. About to step in it. Here's the truth. I think that a a lot of what feminism has told young women is uh, is not true. I think uh, I think that a lot of what is out there about from the from the more radical what is it third wave feminism who knows what the, what wave it's on now uh is really damaging and they have uh, been responsible i think for a lot of misery for young women i i think i call it the sex in the city effect and i've made converts out of plenty of women that i know when i've talked about the show i'm like sex in the city is not about women being happy and achieving what they want in life it's about women who are petty and narcissistic and superficial and miserable and obsessed with you know shoes meaningless sex and themselves it's not good it's not good uh i know it's clever in the writing and everything else but it's really sending very negative messages actually the same way that entourage for men look i'm not going to pretend entourage which i've watched all of which in some places i mean the movie is one of the worst pieces of garbage i've ever seen and in some places entourage the show is also complete trash but this notion that you can kind of be like a loser and a slob and just have lots of beautiful women you know coming to your door and coming and going at all hours of the night and everything. It's just a lie. It's not true. Right? I mean, you know, you, yeah, so that's also not good for guys. You're like, oh, why isn't like a supermodel just going to go out on a date with me? It's like, well, why would a supermodel go on a date with you? I mean, be realistic. And why do you want to date a supermodel anyway? You know, you really have to think through these things. Anyway, uh, this article, though, uh, it, go, it just goes on. And clearly she wants to take some shots at Jordan Peterson. Uh, and in part, it's because Jordan Peterson is one of the few guys out there who is willing to say that men and women are different, that men in the aggregate have some different skills than uh, and different tendencies than women do in the aggregate. That's not on an individual basis. Um, and we ignore these things at our peril. 
Uh, we ignore these things at society's peril. Uh, the fact, though, that that this article also goes on to claim that there's no space for al- like alternative versions of masculinity, I think that's also just a total lie. I mean, Vox.com is beta male central. I mean, th- there's a lot of places where they celebrate being a, uh, generally speaking, a skinny, self-righteous, skinny, jean-wearing, left-wing hipster. You know, there, there are lots of places. In fact, hipster culture is is overwhelmingly left-wing. So whether you're talking about Brooklyn or San Francisco or a lot of other places in between, there's plenty of space for guys, to, or for, for, you know, males to be males where there is not a focus on traditional traditional masculine virtues. You know, uh, strength and courage and, you know, uh, success and achievement and all that sort of stuff. You know, it's much more like, oh, I just, you know, you do you is really the rallying cry of the beta male left. And, and I, I think that this effort to try and take the incel movement, which he writes about in here, and tie that to people who want to have honest discussions about gender norms and what's going on in society today is just a smear. It's just lazy. And the the intellectual laziness of some of the most prominent prominent feminist writers is really it's really become their calling card. I'm honest with you. It's it's amazing to see how inept a lot of their analysis really is. Uh, and and I, I just I hate to see the same way that I think feminists have been the cause of a lot of unhappiness for for young women. You know, in the last in the last 20 years, I think of in my lifetime, like the women I know who are like, I, I, I want to, you know, I'm going to be just like the guys. I'm going to be an investment banker just like the guys. And I'm going to work 80 hours a week just like the guys. And then I'm going to make a lot of money and like, you know, my uh, I'm going to do. OK, some women. Sure. Uh, I've had friends who have done that and that's who they are. But most women, that's actually not what they want in life. Most. That's not what they want in life. And it's OK. And we shouldn't try to reprogram them to be like men. And that's what a lot of contemporary feminism is doing. And it also then tries to shout down people like Jordan Peterson or even people like me who just point to Jordan Peterson and say, the guy's got some worthwhile ideas. Hear him out. Don't try to compare him to a anti-female terrorist or whatever. It's just crazy. And also, let's not take young boys and tell them, yeah, be a wimp. Don't be. Don't show any courage. Don't show any fortitude. You know, just be uh, as much of a you know a, a boring milk toast condescending lib as possible that's that's what masculinity is now it's it's discouraging that people are actually latching on to this garbage but you know you're seeing more and more of it and and i just man contemporary feminism it's it's just responsible for misery i, I think that is that one day will be its epitaph The FBI calls home title theft among the fastest growing crimes out there. And brace yourself because I know a lot of you had your credit card stolen. That is absolutely nothing compared to the mess, the hell that you are in for once an identity thief decides to take control of your home's title. It's so easy, folks. I have been walked through by the folks at Home Title Lock exactly how the bad guys do this. They do it all online. It's so straightforward. And they just essentially use a simple forgery to steal your home's title online and then borrow against all the equity. You get stuck with the payments. It's a nightmare. Don't allow yourself to fall into that trap. For just pennies a day, Home Title Lock protects my most valuable asset, my family's home. Register now for a free analysis and discover if your home's title has been compromised. 
That is a $60 value free. Visit HomeTitleLock.com. Again, that's HomeTitleLock.com. Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make, Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Team Buck is cleared and ready for the Buck Brief. What is it that causes the president to purposely, purposely create distrust in these institutions and what we're doing? Senator, I I just disagree with most of what you just said there. Um, You somehow disconnect the administration's activities from the president's actions. They're they're. They're the one and the same. This is President Trump's administration. Make no mistake who's fully in charge of this and who is directing each of these activities that has caused Vladimir Putin to be in a very difficult place today. I notice that you are not responding to what I'm saying. I think I think I responded to everything that you said, Senator. It's the president's public statements that create concern amongst senators on both sides of the aisle. This is one of the big problems we see and and it's one that i really want to address now where they're they're creating this remember one of the things we do here is both narrative creation and narrative deconstruction or destruction depending on what is necessary here we create a narrative of truth of of liberty and and conservatism and constitutionalism and we take chainsaws hacksaws rubber mallets whatever you want to call it to narratives that are full of uh, leftist agenda, collectivism, and lies. And one of the big ones that you see these days is that, well, okay, yeah, maybe Trump's foreign policy is good, but he really shouldn't get credit for it. Because it's good despite him or in spite of him. This is nonsense. This is not how it works. Pardon the phrase, but the buck stops with Trump. There's no other way for people to view this. And I, I keep hearing this now because... It's the single most effective refutation of the left-wing media insanity that you come up with, or come up against countless times now, where they're saying, "Oh, you know, look what he said here," and can you defend this thing Trump said? And you and I just want to say, "Well, why does that matter?" Because on that issue, he's been great. There's the president's power, and then there's the perception of the president's words. They're always playing these games of the president's words. Oh, he said this. He's an idiot because of this thing he said, or he's a racist, or he's a misogynist, or whatever it is. It changes every day because they are trying to interpret Trump's words for you and to try to interpret Trump's overall meaning. And you don't need that help, and neither do I. But then, after they've done that, once they've tried to construct this perception of Trump as a as a complete buffoon, who doesn't understand foreign policy, and And they want to say he shouldn't get the credit for any of this uh, because it's not happening because of him. And that's just insane. That's not that doesn't hold water. Right. That doesn't hold up to scrutiny. But I'm hearing it a lot from people. Because they can't handle the facts. And Pompeo, I think, did a very good job here 
saying that, you know, the it's it's not fair or honest to disconnect the administration's actions from the administration. I mean, think about this, right? It would be like saying, you know, well, you know, you're not you're really not carrying your weight at at, at your job. And you'd say, well, I, I do everything I'm supposed to do perfectly. And I complete all of my tasks in time. Like, yeah, but sometimes over by the water cooler, you know, you just don't sound as excited as as you should about about what you're doing. And you're like, well, I mean, I disagree with that. And they say, and by the way, all those tasks you're completing, you're not really responsible for those. Those are just happening in spite of you. You'd, you'd flip out, right? That's a just a bizarre thing to say. Your record of action is the single most important thing. You know, maybe a part of this is because there's a president who used to give speeches. He used to sound like he's really, really smart and understands everything. And he talks down constantly to conservatives. And he can read off a prompter. And, but he used to do this. And he would do that. And he give, you know, because they're used to Obama, who was all about the flowery words and the lack of action or action that's counterproductive. And they built that up into this, into these Olympian heights of political megastardom. Now they've got a president that, you know, to just, he just talks like a normal person and he reacts to things like a normal person. You know, I can tell you when I'm not on radio, you know, people come up to me and they say something about this or that. Yeah, like occasionally maybe I drop a little salty language in there. And, you know, occasionally uh, meaning a lot of the time. But, you know, I, I speak to people in my day to day life in a in a, just a normal fashion. I mean, I try to speak on radio in a normal fashion, too, but I just can't use salty language. But he talks the way we talk. Instead of this, you know, you, there, there's kind of this old school approach to politics that's uh, that, that's exemplified uh, by some of Trump's harsher Republican critics in particular. You know, that George W. Bush era, although Bush was really inarticulate. I'm just going to say it. And the guy wasn't dumb, but he was, couldn't really put a sentence together very well. It was, it was shocking sometimes how much trouble he had with that. Uh, but, you know, if he had been a great president, I wouldn't have cared. I think he loved the country. I think he did his best when we were under assault. I think the assault was much more um, existential a threat than people realized that, you know, now we realize it at the time than we realize now. But there are a lot of other things that Bush wasn't great on. Wasn't great on the border. Wasn't great on spending. Wasn't great on uh, entitlement reform. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that Bush just either couldn't get through, or wasn't up to the task on. But you get the Rubio wing of the GOP now, and they always want to sound like they're giving some kind of declaration that high school students are going to be memorizing and giving in 10 years. And we just don't need that anymore. I I think that's a facade. I don't need Look, maybe at the sure the State of the Union address. By the way, I think the State of the Union address could just be printed. I don't think we have to have this pageantry. That's a whole other thing. But the actions are the single most important thing. And what you have now is a media effort. And this is what Pompeo was swatting aside. And I'm just I'm hearing this all over the place now because they can't argue with the record. They can't argue with Trump's record. It doesn't work. It's too strong. It's too strong on the economy. It's too strong on foreign policy. So now they're trying to create this Looney Tune situation of, well, it's not Trump's foreign policy isn't really his foreign policy. It actually does remind me a little bit of. And some of you, I think, know where I'm going in the Bush administration. It wasn't really this was a a whisper campaign among the elite media, but it wasn't really Bush who was pulling the strings. It was always Cheney who was the one that was really in charge of all this. Right. Cheney was the brains of the whole operation. Cheney, I knew people I knew 
I knew people well on Cheney staff. I spent time in the White House dealing with different people there, and uh, n- nobody was pulling the strings for Bush and that, or pulling Bush's strings in that White House. Okay, that, that was just there was no Rasputin whispering in Bush's ear. Uh, but they're trying this again. They're trying this with Trump, where they're just making it up. They're making it up, and it's because they're desperate, as I've been saying to you. But by the way, speaking of the facts and and arguing with the reality here, Pompeo, who, who's who is a real a real find for this administration, has been doing such a strong job. Uh, he took it to to Cardin here uh, on the whole Russia situation. He's like, can we stop with the oh, he loves Putin and just wants to hug him all the time? This is what he's done. Play clip six. Was there any agreements reached in regards to Ukraine? Uh, no, Senator, that's an agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that is, the U.S. policy hasn't changed, and you can see that, right? And to, I, I $200 million since the Helsinki summit provided to the Ukrainians. I, I think there was lots of concern that, and I saw it, I could find you all's quotes if you'd like me to go drag them out, uh, concerns that President Trump would make a change in position with respect and, to And you Ukraine. made that clear. And there, there, there is none, and it is, it, is, it is a policy that the previous administration refused to undertake. And so I hear comparative it's, – it's important, uh, Senator. It, it, comparison matters here because there's a narrative that has developed that somehow President Trump is weak on Russia, and it, when in fact the converse well, let, let me just – I heard you talk and brag about the number of sanctions. That Senator, these were just facts. Just facts. Notice the Senator, you talk and brag. Pompeo's like, no, these are facts. These are real things that have happened. I had the experience here on on Rising, Hill.tv slash Rising, for those of you who want to see. I had the experience of having a, the, a guy who said he was the former NSC director for Ukraine under the Obama administration at the desk with me. And I said, okay, so we're now sending along, I think he was surprised that I knew this much about it, but Javelin anti-tank missiles and sniper rifles to the Ukrainian government to fight against the Russians on the front lines in eastern Ukraine. Right, Russian paramilitaries and Ukrainian uh, separatists who are backed by Russia. And he said, well, that won't make much of a difference. I looked at him and I said, well, that's really cute. That's a nice talking point. If it won't make much of a difference, one, why are, these, why are, these, are the Ukrainians asking for them, which they are, and two, why did the Obama administration refuse to give them? And he goes, okay, well, maybe it would make... I, I give the guy credit. He actually said, you know, actually, I, I think that he had in his mind what the Obama administration line was, but he said, yeah, you know, I... They didn't want to take the risk. Oh, okay. So that's what it's not that it wouldn't be effective. It's that Obama didn't want to take the risk. Take the risk of what, everybody? The risk of angering Vladimir Putin. Oh, that's right. When I win the election, I'll have more flexibility. Tell, you know, El Transmitis to Vladimir. You guys all remember it. They're completely rewriting Obama's history on Russia related issues. They're completely rewriting uh, the way that he approached the issue of Ukraine and never mind Syria. And I mean, Obama on foreign policy was a disaster. A disaster because the bad guys knew they could get away with whatever they wanted to do on the ground with action and people suffering because of it. Not because he didn't give the most flowery speech. You know, that that's where we are now. You can have Obamaism, which is speeches that make people go, ooh, listen to the... And a lot of us were like, first of all, he's not even writing the speech, so he's really just an actor delivering lines. Side note. But, or you can have somebody who's like, you know, I kind of get the situation. Let's make something happen here. A doer. Instead of a sayer, that's what we have with Trump. Don't let them get in your head with this narrative of, oh, he's not, he's not really running his own foreign policy, whatever. That's how pathetic they are now, that they know they can't beat him on the record. 
So they're saying it's not even true. Trump's foreign policy record isn't his record is what they're trying to tell you now. Don't let him get away with it. I know you won't, but you'll see. Now that we've talked about it, you'll hear it. You'll see more of it. You know, it's tough to put a price on peace of mind, but I can do it for you right now. $15 a month, folks. That's all it costs for peace of mind. $15 a month for 24-7 monitoring with Simply Safe Home Security. All right, this is a great deal. I've got a Simply Safe system at home. I'm not very tech savvy, uh, and let me tell you, it's so easy to set up and so easy to use, and it covers you top to bottom. It gets everything that you need from a home security system without any of the drawbacks. The customer service is great. The sensors that you put in place make sure that everything from fire to somebody burglarizing to some all those things covered for you, and there's no long-term contracts or nonsense. Protect your home today. Visit simplysafe.com slash buck. That's simplysafe.com slash buck, simplysafe.com slash buck. The only security system you're going to need, and once you have it, it's the only security system you're ever going to want. Go check it out at simplysafe.com slash buck. And just remember, what you're seeing and what you're reading is not what's happening. For a president of the United States to tell people to stop believing what they see or what they read, I mean, it's what dictators, it's what authoritarian rulers say. I mean, it, it, it's, it's kind of unbelievable in the truest sense of the word. Um, it reminds me of, you know, there was a quote from Orwell in 1984, said, the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final most essential command. It certainly sounds a lot like what the president is saying. Trump's Can we pause it for one second? Pause it for one second their own eyes could... Can we pause that for one second? Because I want to keep going. We've got more of this crazy media fear montage we pulled together, folks. But notice how that's Anderson Cooper being very smug, being very condescending to people, saying, oh, well, because the president says don't believe everything you read, the media, they skip past, the media created this term of fake news. The media are the ones who are out there saying don't believe Fox, Fox's state TV, it's propaganda. I mean, the rest of the media, right? The mainstream media, the, the left Democrat media. So they're saying there's all this fake stuff out there, all these lies. They're the ones that are saying that Facebook has to clamp down on all the fakery. And when Trump says, don't believe everything you read, what do they do? He's a dictator. See, they have no, they have no principle, organizing principles for their thoughts. They just have emotions and propaganda and agenda. Continue, John. From George Orwell's famous dystopian novel, 1984, which cast partisan censorship of truth as the party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. Those comments that reminded some folks of Orwell's 1984. There were plenty of posts on Twitter yesterday. Pause. Pause. You know who really wrote 1984? It was Brian Williams. He was there in Catalonia with Orwell back in... uh, the 30s. I think it was 1939. On the front lines! Brian Williams took two rounds in the shoulder. Didn't stop Brian Williams. He then grabbed the nearest pail for digging ditches and took out seven Spanish fascists with just that. It's another day in the books for Brian Williams. Continue! Making something President Trump said with George Orwell's dystopian novel 1984. Do not believe what you see or read. 
echoes a line from George Orwell's 1984. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final most essential command. But how dangerous is his rhetoric? I mean, it's as though it was straight out of uh, the book 1984. Because that language he used really closely mirrors language from, frankly, George Orwell's 1984. Critics are comparing that to a line from George Orwell's novel 1984 about a nightmarish authoritarian state. The party told you to reject the evidence of your <laughs> eyes and ears. It they're was all, their final, all most essential cats. command. So oh my gosh. Producer Mike. Hat tip to you, man. That was a great, that was a great run we had there. That's great audio. You see, was that all in the last twenty four hours, Mike? Yes, that's unbelievable. It's it, these people have they really only have three literary references that they know how to make in the media: Harry Potter, Handmaid's Tale, nineteen eighty four. At least nineteen eighty four is a great, uh, a great work of fiction in the English language. I mean, the other two, I I don't know. I'll leave it to you to decide for yourselves. But those are the only ones that really that really get the left fired up. It's just so funny to me too. Uh, they don't understand that. I mean, or- Orwell, who was a socialist, essentially realized the pitfalls of socialism throughout the course of his life. And uh, I-, I think this notion that uh, th- this notion that the that Trump is a dictator is hilarious on so many levels because not a lot of dictators have an entire multi billion dollar media apparatus constantly not just undermining everything that they do but trying to get them and their whole family thrown into prison every day and with no actual consequence i mean this whole media thing look i like caitlin collins she's a really nice girl she's a friend she's cool i'm i I don't i'm not they shouldn't be banning people from events but look not my problem i wasn't there this notion though that dc-based journalists are oh my gosh it's so terrible like in the trump era what are we gonna do they're fine they're making more a lot of making more money than ever. Are you kidding? If you're at MSNBC, all this Trump stuff is great. You got hashtag resistance just boosting your numbers all the time. CNN sucks because it's so boring and dishonest. But at least MS, they're like, we're crazy and we own it. And they're, you know, riding this to ratings victory. Yeah. So I'm glad that they're they're exercising their capitalist impulses over there at MSNBC. But this notion that the that we're in a tyranny or that journalists have to be afraid, and there's this is just complete insanity. What are we gonna do? It's all gonna be it's all gonna be fine, journos. It really is. It's there, there's nothing that you have to get so stressed out about. It's gonna be okay. No one's throwing you in prison. You know, I brought this up. Obama was the one who was actually thinking about indicting journalists. Obama was the one who was naming a Fox News journalist a co-conspirator in an espionage complaint, and the press was like, "Oh well, we excuse me." We, we, we have concerns about this. Excuse me, Mr. Obama. We have concerns. Yeah, maybe they've got concerns. But you know what? They weren't calling for Obama to have a special prosecutor. They weren't calling for Obama and his family to be thrown in prison. They're doing that with Trump all the time. A dictator. You have the former intel directors of the previous regime. Maybe we should start using that word because the Obama administration was really a regime, as we see now, much more than it was an administration. And we've got them saying, you know, the Trump is a traitor. And they, they're not going to be. There's no tra- Oh, they might pull their clearances. Who cares? They don't even need their clearances. And they, they, that's like saying, well, can the president fire somebody who calls him a traitor? No, no. The First Amendment. It's like, well, can, you can work for somebody and call them a traitor. I mean, oh, man, they're so crazy, folks. I know we talk about it a lot, but it's really 
They are so nutso. Uh, and I'm glad you can hang out with me because at least I'm pretty normal. Be right back. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. So this week has been Shark Week. And I, I haven't really spent much time on that because, you know, it's not an area of particular expertise. Uh, although, for me, although I, I do know that the Great White is actually in Latin, the Carcaridon Carcarius, which I, I learned from watching the movie Orca, which is actually about a killer whale that can kill great white sharks, which we now know is also true. Side note, uh, but Shark Week has been declining in recent years. And let me tell you guys why. In case you, 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 know, you don't know or you haven't paid attention or you could care less, which is probably a fair amount of you. Uh, you're like, yeah, Buck. We just want to see the great white shark eating stuff and looking scary. Everything else is kind of meh, you know? They do all the scary music. They're like, oh, well, the bull shark is so aggressive and has super high testosterone level and probably and can go in, in fresh water and salt water. It's like bull shark. Yeah. OK, if I get eaten by a bull shark, it's a bad day for me. If I get eaten by a great white, that is epically awful. You know, that is next level because the great white is super scary. So I feel like all of Shark Week is a bunch of people doing shows that are either about a great white shark or should be about great white sharks because nobody cares about the other sharks. They always do this thing where they're like, oh, we need to see the, here's a little weird-looking shark with big eyes we found in the deep, deep, deep ocean. It's like, I don't care about your big-eyed weirdo shark. Mike, am I right or am I right? Nobody cares about the little weirdo sharks. They want to see the big, scary shark that eats everything. Absolutely. Yeah, right? I mean, the great white. Everything else is kind of, it really should be great white shark week. Absolutely. I think think that's just the case because you get these other things out there People say, oh, the tiger. The other one, they call the big three, those that are wondering, the three worst for attacks are obviously the great white, the tiger shark, and the bull shark. Uh, and there have actually been some attacks recently, but, you know, they, they, I'll click on the headline, and then it'll be, like, there was one, I think it was a model who was trying to float. Did you see this, by the way? She was trying to float in shallow water, just surrounded by sharks, and one of them bit her hand. It's like, what are you doing? Exactly. Like, what, what do you think is going to happen? Even if they don't want to eat you, they're like, oh, yeah, there's a thing. I'm going to bite because I'm a shark. Did, did you see Shaquille O'Neal in the shark no. cage? This was funny. He went. He, he was part of Shark Week, and he uh, they put him in a cage, and the shark got in the cage with him, and he, like, freaked out and, and jumped out of the water. I mean, that's totally legit. Yeah. I don't care how big you are. Like, Shaq is obviously the largest human being ever, but right. I'd still be super scared of it. Was it a – what kind of shark was it? Yeah, I don't know exactly what kind – it was, you know, one of the – I don't think it was a great white, but it was a smaller one that was able to maneuver through the opening of the cage, and it just got in there super quick, and like everybody started freaking out and shocked him out of the water. It was, you know, it was comical that he, you know, nothing happened to him. He's pretty funny as it he is. Go, he could have gone all Shazam on that <laughs> yeah. shark and been like, "Blow!" Right. I do you remember that Shaq was. This is. I'm really doing a throwback now. Shaq had back in the old old school Nintendo days, if I recall, although it might have been old school Sega. He had a a a video game called Shaq Fu, where he I'm I'm not dude I'm not making this up I'm googling it right now. Shaq Fu video yup, you can check it out a 2D fighting game released for Genesis that's what it was in 1994. Did I just blow your mind, Mike? Did you just learn something new about I, Shaq? I actually knew about that. You knew about Shaq yeah. Fu? I believe there's a Shaq Fu too. 
as well. Jack Fu too? Yeah, I think there's two of them. I didn't know that was possible. This is, yeah. a, cra- this is a crazy world we live in. But Jack's anyway, the man. So, so you guys could all check that out. I still think one day I want to buy one of those old school, those packets where you can get the old Nintendo games. Especially, I want to get Duck Hunt where it's just wank, 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 you know, and the little dog runs around. You know, I used to play that all the time. That was a great game. Um, anyway, Shark Week, Mike saw some of it, obviously, so it's not, not anything to, to get that riled up about. But I will say this. I saw by people who are talking about how Shark Week, they try to make it seem like shark attack, so scary. This was a list that got circulated, I don't know, by some real journalists. People killed annually by, and then it has all the different lists of animals, sharks, 10 people globally on average. Elephants, 100. Don't make elephants angry. Hippos, 500. Snails, 10,000. I don't know how that's possible. Dogs, 25,000. Yeah, they bite, and, they bite and eat people and give them rabies. Uh, snakes, 50,000. Okay. Mosquitoes, 725,000. And I need to figure out now before I go, how do snakes kill people? Uh, snails kill people, rather. Um, oh, the larvae from water. Ew, gross. That's super gross. I didn't realize that. Ew, snails are gross. I think of escargot, which is delicious. All right, I got to hit a break. Stay with me. Team Buck, it's time for Roll Call. Facebook.com slash Buck Saxon. That's all you need for Roll Call, folks. Assuming Facebook's still going to be around in a few days. Ooh, bit of a rough ride today. Those of us who own a little Facebook stock were like, ouch, you're hurting me, Facebook. Why are you hurting me? Facebook, go back to your hole. Are you too good for your hole or your home? I forget what he says in Happy Gilmore. It's one or the other. John, is it hole or home in Happy Gilmore? Are you too good for your home, I think? Hole? I don't know. It's hole. Yeah, you too good for your hole because he's trying to put the ball of the eight, whatever it was, the 18th hole, get it in. All right, uh, facebook.com slash Buck Sexton, and uh, that's what you do, and a lot of you did it, so let's get get into it. That's one thing. I'll never be, I may be able to borrow y'all from some of you because we have so many fantastic listeners to this show who are from the South, from Texas, and they, they say y'all, and it's just, it's so fluid, it just rolls off the tongue, but I don't think I'll ever be able to be one of these guys that can get away with saying, get, you know? Like the the version of G E T that's more like G Y or G apostrophe Y T or G Y apostrophe T. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think I'll be able to pull that one off as a Yankee from New York. Or maybe I'll try one day. All right, Joe is the first up here. He writes, oh, "This is kind of sad. America is dead, Buck. The Statue of Liberty is kaput. Uh, all the corruption in the DOJ and CIA, with very few politicians caring." The media is supporting it, and Rosenstein is as corrupt as the rest, and there's no one to stop him. Once they get away with this, it is over. Sessions coming out on loving Rosenstein with the FISA abuse and serious conflict of interest. No one looking into the Clinton machine the organi- that organized all this Russian propaganda stuff. It is all clear as day. No one will be held accountable. American dead, the new United States of Banana Republic. From Joe, also known as Mr. Sunshine. Uh, you know what, Joe? I share your concerns, but I do not share your prognosis. And the country's going to be fine. Just remember, my friend, we now 
have gone 18 months and Trump is just crushing it, doing fantastic work. As I've been saying, the GDP numbers that are supposed to come out tomorrow are going to be going to be a real eye opener for the country. Oh, you mean that we've just had the best year we've had economically in a decade? I I wonder why that is. I, I wonder what the differential is between, say, now and two years ago or three years ago or four years ago. What's different now, everybody? Oh, I think we all know the answer to that. Uh, so there's some good things. And, and you could have, hello, Hillary. Joe, America's amazing. Vote for me. We could have that. And we don't, Joe. So it's all going to be okay. America is not dead. We're just, we got some things to work out. And I will tell you that right now, if nothing else, food is better than it's ever been. So we got that going for us, which is nice. It's true. Wherever you are now, you can get really good food uh, pretty much everywhere in this country. You can, you can find, you know, with relatively little effort, really high-quality food. That was not always the case, man. I remember some family trips back in the day. You know, we'd pull off of I-95 somewhere, and it was like, yeah, there's some guy named Phil who has way too much chest hair and a really tight, uh, you know, undershirt on who's cooking some burgers behind a trailer somewhere. Let's go see what he's got cooking up tonight you know i mean it, it wasn't it wasn't always great it wasn't always great food now is amazing so at least we, we we do have that to look forward to every day um i'm obviously i'm hungry right now which is why i'm thinking of this Anne wrote you just uh just heard you read this yay regarding a mechanic a couple of years ago my car's engine threw a rod hmm. because we are trying our best to live within our means and hate car payments we bought an old volvo with cash Having a mechanic technician that works on nothing but Volvos took that car from a piece of junk to almost a cream puff, and for a lot less than the dealership would have, you need someone to trust with your vehicles. Oh, no, and you're, you're right. I'm just saying the mechanic thing is changing a little bit over time. If you get a newer vehicle, uh, there's so much in the way of electronics in it that it's not just something that somebody can work their way through. Uh, but, look, I haven't owned a car in, in years now, um, and I don't miss it, I'll be honest with you. There's some things about me, I should admit, there's some things about Buck that are that are vaguely communist. Uh, and, you know, one of them is that I don't like baseball. And another one is that I don't particularly love driving cars. I can drive. I've actually had advanced tactical driving. I mean, I, I've done some some things in vehicles. I've, I've driven cars in countries where just not, not dying in a vehicular accident is something of an accomplishment, uh, you know, in the, in the third world. But, you know, I just, I'm not somebody, I find a car is something that you, it, it serves a purpose for me. It's not a joy. Like the notion of joy riding, I don't really, I'd rather be joy jogging or joy walking. I'd have no interest in joy riding. So, uh, again, I know a lot of you can yell at me, Buck, what are you? You got to remember, people from Manhattan in particular, we, you know, we, we don't really, we don't really count as part of the rest of the country in some ways. We, we're a very strange, a very strange group in Manhattan. Uh, it's, it's such a little pocket of cosmopolitanism. We got a lot of people that like soccer, for example. Don't even get me started. All right, Karen. I'm going to bail out of this one. Uh, Karen, type in National Review Magazine into Google, and the third suggestion is bias. Type in Atlantic Monthly Magazine, and liberal or conservative is the eighth suggestion. No bias. I could play this all day. Karen, you're right. Uh, Then the question just becomes, are these Internet you know, search giants and, and these platforms, 
are, are they? And I think I think those of you who listen to the show consistently would 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 give me some credit for I've seen this all coming with how the politicization of the platforms and the search engines is now this is now the new focus of the left. And it's it's going to cause big problems. It's going to be, you know, because because the old the old media way of doing things, the old oh we're we're just CNN. We're just journalists going straight down the middle. Uh, that's that's for clowns who don't pay enough attention. That's just not true. So people, if they want to live in that delusion, that's their choice. But if they want to live in reality, we all know that it is inaccurate for people to think that CNN and these other networks are unbiased. Um, but if they can make the algorithms biased, now they take the human component out of it, as I've been saying. Is Google populating those search results, Karen, in that way because that's what most people type in? Or do we just have to take their word for it? And the answer is, oh, yeah. We just have to take their word for it. We really don't know. Uh, we really don't have an answer as to what the uh, what the truth about it is. So, and it's proprietary, and they're a private company. So, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Um, let's see. Hold on one second here. Uh, I just lost. I just, it's okay. I just lost roll call. Oh, here we go. Taylor wrote, "Buck, do me a favor." When you have Sean on the Freedom Hut podcast, let him know Outlaw Platoon was a great book. I've listened to it four, four to five times since you had him on the show. Can't wait for his next one to come out. You both should come to Utah. Check out the Black Ruffle HQ. I'll bust out the cannon and the BBQ. Let's party to freedom. Taylor, my man, you're on. Next time I head out to Utah, I'll shoot you a message. We'll go shoot some cannons. Because I think you said you got a, you've got your own, you make your own cannons. If I remember Taylor correctly, told me a while ago that he actually casts his own cannons, which is, a, which is pretty cool, I got to say. Jar writes, Buck, in regards to the we don't tip terrorist receipt story, my little thought was a little different than yours. My first thought was that it was a ploy to get money from people through donation in some sort of GoFundMe account. You know, Jar, you got a good point there. These days, if you become the subject of some kind of a, a very emotional viral news story where people are all feeling like the, the, the social justice warrior in them has to come out, um, you can make a whole bunch of money. Uh, people donate all kinds of money to you. So you are right. Um, that's a possibility, at least. I'm not, I don't think that happened in this case, but that at least could happen. Um, hold on a second. Adam writes, bad producer Mike, podcast from 725 is missing from iHeart. Producer Mike, Adam is saying that you need a code red. I don't know. John, telling me that's fake news, Buck. That's complete fake news. <laughs> Mike, Mike's calling you out, Adam, for fake news. I don't, you know, you, you gentlemen can sell this on Facebook. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. I'm just the messenger. That's right, Mike. Mike, Mike ain't playing no games today. Ed is next up here. Hey, Buck, still love the show after all these years. Well, thanks, Ed. I've noticed over the past few weeks that the phrase Russian collusion has been dropped by the media in favor of the phrase Russian meddling. What is your take on that? OSS, Original Saturday Squad, Ed. Ed, I think you are a very astute fellow, and I think that you are probably noticing. I, I have not noticed that trend, but it would not surprise me if that trend was very real. Uh, it would not surprise me to find out that that was, in fact, the case. And so let me just say that uh, I will look into this a little more and try to keep an eye out for it. Because Russian, remember, Russian meddling is whatever the Russians just did to us. Russian collusion would be whatever we did 
to assist the Russians in that, or we mean meaning Trump or his people, to assist the Russians in their meddling. So there, that is an important distinction. It's a real distinction. Don't don't think that uh, that's something that we should just ignore. You are, uh, I think you're picking something up there, my friend. Very astute. And thank you for being original Saturday Squad. You know who else is OSS? John, producer John, who was with me in the earliest days when people were like, you want to do radio? You've never even done radio. What do you know about radio? But John was always my friend. Thanks, John. John used to run the board for me. They didn't think I was going to last. They're like, I know, I know, I know, but I'm just saying, dude, like, they didn't think I was going to last. They're like, oh, you're a TV guy. Radio is too hard for you. Blah, 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 blah. I was like, please. I got me. I got producer. I got producer John. I'm GTG good to go. And then I actually became primarily a radio guy. So there you go. That's how, that's how life works. Uh, let's see what we get here. Um, Joe writes, on to politics. Russia hacked the election? When I hear this, I think computers counting the votes were tampered with. But from what I understand, Russia tried to hack the Republican and Democrat Party computers. Some Russians also put up a bunch of Facebook propaganda. I understand the first being a crime, but I don't understand the latter. Uh, And I'm a lawyer. Joe, you're right. People are nuts. They all need to calm down on this stuff. That's going to be it for today. Tomorrow, we have a fantastic Freedom Hut podcast planned. So please do download last week's and get ready for tomorrow's. Me and Sean Parnell and Jesse Kelly. It's going to be a bro-fest extravaganza. Uh, Also, of course, we'll have a Freestyle Friday here in the Freedom Hut itself. See you tomorrow. Shields high. 5 a.m. wake-ups these days. That's what I got on the alarm clock every day. But you know what I look forward to no matter what? Making sure that I fuel the fight of freedom in my day-to-day with Black Rifle Coffee, my friends. It is delicious, and unlike a lot of the other coffees out there, this isn't some fancy French import. This isn't something that comes from a bunch of commies overseas somewhere else. This is an all-American, made-in-America company owned and operated by veterans, including members of the elite special forces. You need to check them out for yourself. I drink Black Rifle every day. I get it delivered to my door every month. I don't buy coffee anymore. I just have Black Rifle sent to me. You should do the same. Visit BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck and receive 15% off your order. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash buck for 15% off Black Rifle Coffee. Dot com slash buck. It's the only coffee you should be drinking, folks. And I know you're coffee drinkers, so I want everyone listening to this to go check out blackriflecoffee.com slash buck.